Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope your week went well and that last week's show was helpful. I love all the comments that you leave and just your feedback. It's very, very helpful. And you can always um, email me. You can also go to the website. You can go to Facebook. And you can uh, just let me know if there are topics that you'd like me to talk about. So today, in honor of Valentine's Day, we are going to talk about love. Now, I have talked about this at different times all through the years. But I, I really like to talk about this idea. And, I, and so I pose this question to you. Do you know what love is? Do you know? Do you, do you know how to spot it? Do you know what it feels like? Do you know what it means to you? Do you know how to love? And how, have you learned how to love? Or maybe I should even say, are you grown up enough to love? Because... Love is, is, it takes people with pretty solid identities, good ego strength, a lot of compassion, and a lot of maturity to love well. Because love is much more than a feeling, and I'm sure that you know that. So what does the world say? You know, it's searching hard for love. It's marketing it, replacing it, selling it, explaining it, exploiting it, misrepresenting it. So we have many, many songs that are all about love. And we also have the famous Bible verse that most of us have, if we grew up as Christians, we learned when we were kiddos. And it's John 3.16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So think about those first statements, God so loved the world. He didn't say, God so loved Australia, right? And he didn't say he loved the Northern Hemisphere or that he loved just the stars or the sun. He said he loved the world. That is all-encompassing. It means he loves everything in the world, everything about it. Now, it doesn't mean he agrees with everything, and it doesn't mean he finds pleasure in everything. It doesn't mean he likes everything. But he loves. 
the world. And he gave his only son. So we see right there that love, many times, one of the best ways to express love is by what you do, what you give, what you say. It has to be some effort. Because if there's no effort in love, it doesn't feel like love. It might even feel like a selfish act, that they're only doing it to get their own good feeling. So we have this famous foreigner song. Now, you know, I'm always dating myself because... Yes, we all know I was an 80s girl. So there's so many songs, but I this one came to my mind, and this was by a band. It's called Foreigner. And it's entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is. That's a pretty big question. And so the writer goes on to say, I got to take a little time, a little time to think things over. I better read between the lines in case I need it when I'm older. He says, now this mountain I must climb feels like a world upon my shoulders, and through the clouds I see love shine. It keeps me warm as life grows older. In my life there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. I can't stop now I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. I want to know what love is. So I want to ask you today, what do you think love is? Now, We have many uh, books, articles, speakers that talk about love. And we have the five love languages. We have all the different temperaments, you know, testing that we can do to know how to love someone. And, And so I think it's important that we do. We know that we learn how to love someone. So we we hear this guy, he's kind of searching for it. He's not knowing if he's gonna find it. He's not exactly sure what he wants, and he's not exactly sure what he's looking for. And then we have another band called Nazareth, and their song is entitled Love Hurts. Now, maybe you'll relate to this one. I really related to this one. It says, love hurts, love scars, love wounds, and marks. Any heart not tough or strong enough to take a lot of pain take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud, holds a lot of rain. Love hurts. Oh, love hurts. I'm young, I know, but even so, I know a thing or two. I learned from you. I really learned a lot. Really learned a lot. Love is like a flame. Burns you when it's hot. Love hurts. How about this? Some fools think of happiness, blissfulness, and togetherness. Some fools fool themselves, I guess. They're not fooling me. Love hurts. Then what are some other songs we have? Always and Forever. How about Linda Ronstance, When Will I Be Loved? I Only Have Eyes for You. With You, I'm Born Again. You're the sunshine of my life, right? (laughs) So think about All of this that we talk about love, well, one of the reasons that love is so prevalent is that God started with that. See, love is in everything that he creates. Everything. God is love. So it's not like God educated himself to find out what love is. He is love. It emanates from him. He created it. Think about how many people spend so much time on love and the need for it, wanting it, 
trying to capture it. You know, we have a famous quote by Shakespeare. I love this. It says, love all, trust few, and do wrong to none. Love all, trust few, and do wrong to none. So what do you think love is? Well, what do you think it isn't? Well, I know that love is not apathy. It's not indulgence, passivity, reckless freedom, selfishness. These are things that we know are opposite of love, even though we have a tendency to many times act them out. So let me tell you again about another day on my job, because my job is truly all about love or the lack thereof. So my job is because of the need for love, the lack of it, the search for it, And I'm talking about all kinds. I'm talking about familial love. I'm talking about romantic love. I'm talking about self-love, spiritual love, brotherly love, agape love, all these different types of love. So interestingly enough, when we look at how many times the word love appears in the Bible, this is using 17 different versions, and it includes the words loves, loved, you know, etc., So the average is about 588.7 times. And that doesn't include loving, the word loving in the New Testament, or loving kindness in the Old Testament. See, this could add about 100 more to the average. Or it's usually quoted as 319 times in the Old Testament and 232 times in the New Testament. And it truly depends on the translations, you know, Greek and Hebrew, but... It does not take into account how much love is talked about. Now, if you Google the word love, you will find practically 1.6 billion ways to go and where to look for what love is. If you type in what is love. So let's talk about a preliminary definition of love. And it's kind of helpful. It kind of prepares the way for our study. So the following is a composite definition, and it's based upon the teaching of scriptures as a whole. So this is, this is what Christians purport it to be. It says, love is the heartfelt affection of the Christian in response to the love God has shown toward us, especially in the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Love is an affection which prompts the person to action. Love is first and foremost directed toward God and then toward others in order of priority. God and family, right, especially our mate, fellow believers, our neighbor, and even our enemy. And love subordinates the interests of the lover to the one who is loved. Love inspires our deliberate, diligent, self-sacrificial service to others which is intended for their good and, for our, and usually at our expense. So our love as Christians is both a response to God's love and a reflection of his love because he designed it. He made it. It's his creation. So how do we know we're doing this well? <clears throat> Excuse me. And how do, we, how do we know how to receive it? So we have three types of love, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. And this is agape, eros, and phileo. 
And this is important to recognize the different types of love that we have. Because if you are in a, a romantic relationship, if you have children, family, pets, friends, co-workers, it will be helpful for you to have appropriate expectations on those people when you are really attempting Christian love. Because Christian love is really about caring. Think of how you feel when somebody, someone cares about what you care about. Cares about how you feel. They may not even agree with it, but they care about it. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the different types and ways to love. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. Make sure if you're just tuning in that you go to your favorite web, uh, favorite podcast server and you can listen to the download and you can make sure that you don't miss a show every week. And so this is really helpful. You can also send it to friends and family. You can listen to it with other people. And I really do appreciate you being willing just to take time and learn how to be the best version of you. So we are talking today about love, just in honor of Valentine's Day. And we're talking about how many times we talked about this, how many times the word love is in the Bible. How much is said about love in our world? How much emphasis is put on it? And what it really is? And we talked about the, the famous verse in John three sixteen which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we see the impetus of love in so many ways is that if I'm loving someone, I probably have to love all of them because that's what God said. God so loved the world. It doesn't mean that I love it <clears throat> in terms of agreement. It doesn't mean I love it in terms of I want to copy it. It means that I am loving this person, this entity. Maybe it may be an organization that you work for, and you want to love that organization well so that you do a good job. So you may not love everything they do. But what we want to do is we want to be that positive influence. We want to be something that shows people another way of living. So when we talk about love, the Bible separates it out into three different types. We have agape, eros, and phileo. And so this is what, what you'll find is if you are in a romantic relationship, the healthiest romantic relationships are able to operate with all three types of love. They don't just do eros, which is romantic love. They have phileo, which means they're really good friends. They have agape, which means they love that person even when they're not lovable. So what is agape love for real? Well, that Greek word is often translated in, as love in the New Testament. And it's different than the other types of love because it is truly the essence, <coughs> excuse me, of agape love is truly the essence of self-sacrifice. So unlike our English word love, Agape is not really used in the Bible to refer to romantic or sexual love. 
And it really doesn't even refer to close friendships or brotherly love. Agape love is unique and it's distinguished by its nature and character because it is truly what God is made of, whose very nature is love itself. So we see this in 1 John verse 4, 8. It says, God is love. So God does not merely love. He is love incarnate. He's love itself. Everything God does flows from his love. And so remember, it's not a sappy, sentimental love. It's because his nature, it's in his nature to express his being, and his being is love. He loves the unlovable. He loves the unlovely. That's us. And not because we deserve to be loved, but because it's in his nature to do so. And he's true to his nature and character. So God's love is displayed most clearly, as we talked about, on the cross. That he died for people that weren't even born yet. He died for the unworthy. And he did it not because we did anything to deserve it. See, the object of agape love never does anything to merit the love that we give it. So for us with God, we're the, the undeserving recipients upon whom he lavishes that love. His love is demonstrated when he sent his son to seek and save that which was lost and to provide eternal life to those who sought and wanted to be saved. So he paid the ultimate sacrifice for those. So we really see agape love if we are involved in a war that is protecting a country that cannot protect themselves. We see agape love when we help widows and orphans. We see agape love many times if I just help a stranger. It doesn't even have to be a huge gesture. It can simply be opening the door for someone. That's agape love. I may not even know them, and I'm doing them a favor. How about when I'm driving? I can practice agape love. This is important to recognize that that's the foundation of all the other two types of love. So if we are not able, <coughs> excuse me, to practice agape love, we will not be able to do the other two loves well, which is family and a partner. So it's imperative that we understand that agape love needs to be our foundation because you and I both know when we're in relationship with other humans, sometimes they're not very attractive, right? So the eros love the romantic sexual love is out the window. And maybe even the agape love, like I don't even like this person. I can't even be friendly with them. I don't like them at all. So we need agape love to support those moments when the other types of love are not possible to feel. So we see this with the Good Samaritan. He's an example of sacrifice for the sake of others. Even for those who may not care Nothing for us at all. Maybe even for those that, that hate us. That's what the Jews did with the Samaritans. So sacrificial love is not based on a feeling, but a determined act of the will. It's this joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above our own and not to expect anything in return, but that our good feelings come from doing a good thing. 
So even if the person spits in our face, we have to we have to have good enough boundaries to know I'm not going to let them steal from me the good feelings that I have because I know I did a righteous thing, even if they don't notice it. Because what we find many times is that they don't respond well to agape love. They may be more than more often than not very very hurt, damaged even. So that they don't trust a nice gesture. So we don't want to take our cues from people that might be really compromised. And it doesn't mean that the person that's compromised looks compromised. I mean, they could be someone that, that is very wealthy and be really snotty to you because you were nice to them. So you have to be really careful how you interpret so that you're not extending this type of love to get something. Once you do that, it's no longer agape love. It's self-serving. So we need to be really careful when we're, when we're understanding that because many people will not respond well. So God gave us this commandment, and it involves loving one another as he loved us sacrificially, even to the point of death. So I want you to think more in an analogous way. Not very many of us would ever be asked to lose our physical life for someone we love. But we may have to lose some things. We may have to die to some things in order to love them well. And I want you to think about that. What needs to die in me in order to truly love well? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about phileo love. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Make sure that you go to your favorite uh, podcast server and you can download the show and listen to it anytime. Share it with your friends. I appreciate it when you do that. And that people are benefiting from this, that we really can be the best version of who God has intended for us to be. Not our own version, not the world's version, but the unique version that God designed when he thought you up and then created you. So we are talking about all these different types of love, and we were just talking about agape love. So let's talk now about eros, I mean, I'm sorry, phileo love. And what phileo love means, this is brotherly love. And this is how we love our friends, our neighbors, maybe the social group that we're in, we love our in-laws many times, right? <laughs> so the second Greek word is phileo, and that forms part of the words philosophy, which is a love of wisdom or philanthropy, love of fellow man. So this word really speaks more of warm affection that we share between our family and friends. And we know that Eros love is more closely associated with the libido, so phileo is more associated with the emotions or the heart, metaphorically speaking. <clears throat> so we feel love for our friends and our family, obviously not in an arrow sense, but it is a love that motivates us to want to treat them kindly and help them succeed. And we go the mile for them, right? 
I'm sure you know the feeling that you'll do something for, you know, someone in your family. It's like, oh, it's my brother. Well, it's my mother. Oh, it's my, you know, my, my sister's kids. I've got to do that, right? And it's not like we hate doing it, but we are compelled by phileo love to help those we know. And that is natural for humans to do. It kind of gets screwed up with sin. That's how that happens. So we naturally want to help. We naturally want to extend goodwill to the people that we know. So we can feel phileo love toward friends and family, but not toward people whom we dislike or hate. So we're not going to feel like we're brothers with someone that is needing some, what we would say is agape love, right? So that person may not deserve it. They might not merit it. They may not even know they received it. And they may not, if they do know they received it, they may not respond well. So phileo love usually has an expectation because it's very relational. So we are doing things for one another. We're creating good feelings between each other. We're kind of depositing in our friends and family's emotional bank accounts. That's phileo love. We have this warm spot for that person. We enjoy them. We hurt when they hurt. And if we find out that there's been a tragedy, we want to help them personally versus how we might help a city that's been devastated by a hurricane. That's agape love. So let's think about this. We have agape love, we have phileo love, and the last one is the eros love. Now, unlike English, in which the word love means so many different things, the Greek uses these three words to describe this range of the meaning of the word love. So the first word when we look at this is eros, from which we get the English word erotic. So eros is the word used to express sexual love or feelings. That's feelings of arousal that's shared between people who are physically attracted to one another. And of course, because you know who I am, I'm saying that there needs to be some phileo love before the, the libido comes into you know, action, because that's the safest thing for humans. And so we're ending this particular segment, but we're going to talk more about Eros love and how you really can do that well, how you do it safely. And why would God give that to us? And that's super important when we are doing relationships well with our friends, our family, our community, and the world at large, that we know what type of love is appropriate to be extending. Because when we extend the appropriate type of love, in the appropriate way, we usually have good reward for it. And it usually works very, very well. But if we get that all messed up, right? I'm talking about like, you know, friends of benefits, right? We get that messed up, it messes up a lot of things. So I hope that you join me in this last segment as we talk more about these different types of love, why we have them, and how to do them really well. Because really, it's all about love, isn't it? It's all about love. We all want to be loved. We love to love. And we love being loved. So thank you for listening to this particular segment. And I want you to join me again as we talk about different Bible verses that explain these different types of love so you can understand it a little bit more succinctly. And we're going to talk more about a true definition of the word care 
because that is the biggest thing in all three types of love. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. You can always check out my website, which has lots of different things on it. There are some where I have some songs that I've sung. There are some really inspirational things. There are some videos that you can watch. So I really encourage you to go to the website, and it's CynthiaHyatt.com. So it's pretty easy to find. Well, we are talking about love, and that's in honor, obviously, of Valentine's Day. And we were really focusing on agape and phileo love, as well as the eros love. So some of these verses may help make it more sense when we talk about these different types of love. So agape is the famous John 3.16, which we talked about. And that's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then we have John 15.13 that says, Greater love has no one than this that he lay his life down for his friends. And we have um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. It says, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So let's just take a little, let's digress, digress a little bit about this whole idea of love your neighbor as yourself. And when I'm talking with clients about this, I always say to them, you know, if you are over loving your neighbor, then you're probably not loving yourself. And you are only loving yourself, it will be impossible to love your neighbor. So we have to think about this, love your neighbor as yourself. It starts with you. So the way that Jesus loved us more than any other person, any other human has ever loved anyone, is that he made sure that he lived long enough and healthy enough, followed God hard, listened to what God said, so that when he came to the point of the greatest call on his life, which was to die for the world, he was able to do it. So he had to take care of himself. He had to understand himself. He had to believe in himself. He had to trust himself. So this is a really important concept. If you want to love well, I want you to do some investigation about the me, myself, and I. What goes on inside of you? How well do you love yourself? Now, remember, I I'm not wanting us to have, like, eros love or, or like, romantic love toward ourselves, Right? But I want you to have agape love towards yourself, phileo love. I want you to be good friends with you. I want you to enjoy your own company. I want you to love yourself even when you hate what you just did. I want you to love yourself even when you've disappointed yourself, when you've messed up something, when you've let yourself down. I want you to have agape love and then take advantage of being a friend to yourself. Because this is what helps Eros love inside of all of us, is that if I'm taking care of those two things, then when I have a romantic encounter with somebody, I'm going to be safer. I'm going to be stronger, healthier, more myself, 
right? More honest. If I have agape love for myself, phileo love for myself, when I practice eros love, it will be so much healthier and less complicated. So let's look at this. You're very familiar with this. This is 1 Corinthians, and this is chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I want you to think about this in light of agape love, okay, and phileo love. It says love is patient, love is kind. Are you patient and kind with yourself? It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, okay? I mean, this is tough. When you think about, do I love myself this way? Am I rude to myself? Am I self-seeking? I just want to do pleasure-seeking behavior no matter what the cost to my life is? Am I easily angered? Do I keep record of all my wrongs? That's a tough one. How much scorekeeping are we doing on ourselves? See, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Am I strong enough, willing enough, mature enough to want the truth? And love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. So when we think about self-love, we're not talking about self-aggrandizing. We're not talking about being an egomaniac because we're now recognizing that love is a very heavy thing and it is a difficult thing to do and do it well. The more love you receive, especially from God, the better you will love those around you when they are at their worst and when they are at their best. See, God is love. It's not a quality outside of himself. It's not some resource that he goes and accesses. See, we were born with the need for love. And without it, we, we die. That's what we call failure to thrive. And so the capacity to love, the desire to love, is, is more important. It's not like a resource. It's not something we receive and we go recycle it. We don't, you know, I talk to people so much about emotional bank accounts. And I say, how much are you removing from your own emotional bank account? So that you may be so deeply in the black in your own emotional bank account that no matter how much love someone gives you, they're not able to get you above the line. So it's very important that we understand our emotional energy and we understand how we spend the love that people give us, that God gives us. So here's an example of spending love poorly. My husband tells me that he loves me and he thinks I'm beautiful. And I go, no, I can't believe that's not true. When I say, no, stop, that's not true. See, that was absolute currency. He was wanting me to take and capitalize on. And instead, I said, no, no, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I can't receive it. I, I don't feel comfortable. So not only have I stolen from my own emotional bank account, I stole from his. Because what's he going to do with that compliment? Take it back? Like, and do what with it? So all that effort that he put in to wanting to fill that emotional bank account for me is lost. So let's think about one of the best ways to really give love to everybody, 
I'm talking any person, is through care. And it doesn't mean I physically care for everyone, or even emotionally care, or even intellectually care. But it means that I quote-unquote care. I care about what happens to you. I can be sympathetic to it. I don't have to judge it. How many times have you been judged by someone that said they were caring about you? They go, oh, that's terrible it happened to you, but what an idiot you are. Why did you do that, right? They kind of gave it, took it right back. So what does care mean? Well, it is a noun, so it could be a lot of different things. So it's close attention or careful heed. It's a liking. It's a regard for someone. It's, a ch it's charge. It's protection, custody, something to watch over, to attend to. And if we use it as a verb, it's to feel concern or interest, to care about others, to feel love or liking for someone, to take charge of, to look after, to provide for someone. So this is one of the ways that you can always love someone is simply care. And the more you care for you, the healthier you are going to be, and the more energy you will have to care for others. Because this is what we find, is that it really is emotional currency. And if we deposit it and invest it well, and the person that we invested in really works with it, it becomes more. And then it's able to be passed around. So we have the greatest example of love, and that is that God left his home to find us, to be with us, to die for us. And then he wants to live with us. I, I still am stunned by that. He wants to be with us 24-7. I mean, who do you want to be with all the time? I don't even like being with myself all the time, right? I mean, God wants no separation. He loves me that much. So let, let me explain something to you. Now, I do not have the gift of hospitality, okay? Now, I'm very hospitable. Anyone that would come to our house, I'm very kind to them. They enjoy talking with me. That's great, right? But I am not one of those people that, like, wants every weekend to have people over and dreams about the recipes and how I'm going to make it and how I'm going to present it and how people are going to feel so loved by my gesture of food. I mean, everyone that knows me knows you don't want Cynthia to cook <laughs> because I have this problem with doing everything fast. And so I, I, I get kind of bored with cooking. Now, I, I can cook for people. I can absolutely do that because I know how to take care of people. But it's, it's not my deal. Okay? So this is what you want to think about. How often we refer back to a person's home life and as, as an explanation for why they act the way they do. See, my home, my mother was a home economist. That was her college degree. She taught it. She knew how to cook. She taught me how to cook. And I'm very thankful that she did that. She knows it's not, it's not natural for me to do. But she still was determined because she loved me and knew I would love people that she really helped me learn that skill because it's a really important skill to have. And so this is part of how we love people. So I don't know about you, but I mean, I have a hard time wanting to be with myself all the time. So when you are looking at it through the issue of care, 
You will love yourself so much better if you simply care about the one that God cares about. And that's you. See, imagine what our world, world would be like if everyone took care of themselves. Think of how well the kids would be handled, how the animals, how the possessions that we have, how we would run our country, what we would do politically. If we all cared, truly cared about our own well-being and made sure that we were okay in a healthy manner, wow, our world would be so much less complicated, so much more efficient. So you can do that for your world. Because all of us have our own little world within this big world. So you are valuable to God. And I want you to remind yourself, if you don't care for you, if I don't care for me, others suffer because of it. Imagine if Jesus neglected himself, if he was lazy and indulgent, if he acted like a prima donna because of the love and adoration of others. Wow, what kind of Christ would that be? So I want you to recognize we are more willing to take care of the planet and all of its so-called resources than we are to take care of ourselves. We're willing to make all kinds of provisions, spend all kinds of money, sacrifice in ridiculous ways for plants, for the planet, for animals, for the the environment. And I'm, I'm all for that. I think we should take care of the home we have. But the way we do it well is know that we are okay first. So you're his child. God is depending on you to care for the one he loves, the one he died for. Happy Valentine's Day. God loves you. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.